Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 37 called Angela. So guys, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, which is Extend Fertility. When I interviewed my fertility specialist, Dr. Joshua Klein, in a past episode of Infertile AF, I was super impressed with his new clinic. I went there and saw them in action and what they're doing and how they are forward thinking in terms of fertility, how they're being a little bit of a disruptor in the industry. I love that. They're really founded on the premise of democratizing egg freezing and IVF so that they could change the industry and deliver better results. Dr. Klein and I talked a lot about how it's important to him that he makes it less miserable for people going through infertility, which I thought was super important. And in the past two years since they've been open, they've become one of the largest egg freezing practices in the country with over 2,500 cycles. And one of the best things I think is that they're super transparent about their prices. So some of you may have experienced a little bit of what we went through, which was a little bit of a bait and switch when you go into your clinic and they tell you it's going to cost X amount, but oh, if you want this, that, and the other thing, it's going to be this much more, but they don't tell you that till later. So Extend doesn't do that. They are super transparent. They lay it all out there and say it is what it is, but they have financing and flexible payment options, and they're actually priced up to 40% lower than a lot of the other egg freezing clinics. So they do egg freezing, they've started to do IVF as well. And if you're interested in either of those things, definitely check them out at extendfertility.com. Okay, so Angela is an incredibly smart, incredibly driven, incredibly open friend of our mutual friend, Kennedy. So thanks Kennedy for introducing us. And she emailed me a handful of months ago because she went through the process of IVF and all of its ups and downs. She started when she was 39 and she's 45 now. So she's had a lot happen over the past handful of years. But the reason that she wanted to share, and this is such a common theme that I love, is because she really wants to give back to women who are going through this. You know, she she's looking into becoming an infertility or IVF consultant or advocate for women. So she wanted to tell her story to help people out there and also get the ball rolling on that next chapter for her. So I want to thank Angela for being so open and for reaching out to me. And I hope you guys enjoy today's story. So without further ado, this is Angela's infertility story. Hi, Angela. How are you? Hi. Very good. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. I don't know much about you. You're living in Los Angeles. Yes. Um, have been me. here about, yeah, I've been here about like 12 years now. You were a nanny for several years. So yes. tell me about that, that you must be someone who loves kids, I would guess. I love kids. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've been, you know, the babysitter at age 13 and on and went to college, became a teacher. Um, okay. I taught first grade for a few years and moved out here intending to do the same thing, but had a hard time finding a job. So I kind of fell into the nannying thing mm-hmm. and I did that and I, I fell into a fantastic family mm-hmm. and fell in love with those children and stayed for 10 years. 
Wow. With one family for yeah. 10 years? With one, with one family. I just, That's they were so fantastic. Cool. They are fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And you obviously keep in touch with them still? Yes. Yes. That's the kids so are much great. older, so it's a different relationship, but it's, uh, yeah, I try to keep in touch with them now. Okay. So did you always know that you wanted to have kids of your own? Oh, for sure. Okay. So tell me about <laughs> yeah. that. You said that you got married when you were like 39 and you guys. Yeah. Uh, well, away. the dating world, as, as I've heard in New York, is very tough out here in LA. Yeah. <laughs> so I dated um, a lot and didn't get lucky until I met my husband. I was 37 mm-hmm. and we were together for about two years and just kind of, we already had talked a lot about having children early, early on. So we knew that's something we both wanted. And so we decided to start trying when I was 39. Mm-hmm. Weren't married yet, but we knew we were going to be together. We started in December of 2013. I'm getting back with my dates here. Okay. December of 13, 2014, February, I got pregnant. So it was very quick. We mm-hmm. didn't try that hard. And that, mm-hmm. you know, very um, scientifically or anything like that with any kind of kits or anything like that. Okay. And, you know, we're happy, ecstatic. I thought, oh, wow, that was quick. This is pretty easy. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, I and got then, this. Awesome. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. That didn't take much at all. And then my husband, now husband proposed to me the following month. And then in April, we found out we had a miscarriage. It was a missed miscarriage. Oh, wait, a missed so miscarriage? It was very, it's called a missed miscarriage. What is that? Holds, it's when your body holds on to the pregnancy, even though the embryo has passed weeks, in a, weeks before that. Do you know I've never heard that term? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I hadn't either. <laughs> right. There's so many terms. So, I need to do like a glossary yeah. or something. It's, it's, it's bananas what all these different things you learn through right. this process. Right. Um, so yeah, it was a missed miscarriage. So the, it was, I was nine weeks, but the, the embryo had died at six weeks. Oh, wow. So I'm sorry. my body had hold, held on that long. So in a sense, that was quote unquote a good thing. My body knew what to do for a pregnancy. That's okay. what my... That's what my uh, gynecologist said. I was like, oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> okay. So how did you find, how did the miscarriage happen? Were you bleeding or did you like go in? No, no. We went in for a first ultrasound, Oh. you know, at the gynecologist at the OBGYN and no, no heartbeat. In fact, the sac had started to collapse already. So it was already on its way. And because I was a nanny and working, you know, a lot with kids, I didn't want to have to go through a, a natural miscarriage of when is it going to happen? Am I going to start bleeding at work? You know, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So I opted for the DNC. Mm-hmm. Did you Had do it right went, then and there? Or just how like does that work? Th- a three, I think it was like three days later. They got okay. me in pretty quickly. I think they're, you know, good with dealing with that sort of trauma of I got to get it out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to carry yeah. this around anymore. Right. Went back to work pretty quickly. You know, I kind of filed it away and didn't really deal with the emotions of it all. Until like a couple of months later when I wanted to start trying again and my husband was like, no, let's hold on. We had the wedding planned. We were getting married in August. So, you know, this is like April, May, June, you know, I'm planning this wedding in this short amount of time. Uh And um, he was like, you know, it's probably not a good idea for us to be doing this. We were getting married. We're going to go on a honeymoon. I don't want you to have to deal with this in a foreign country, et cetera, et cetera. And Mm -hmm. That I, I mean, in the end, I agreed with him, but that's when it all started kind of falling apart for us, sort of yeah. communication. I, I, you know, was so angry with him for not wanting to continue on trying and, yes, you know, held know it against too. him for saying, no, you can't do this. And I wanted to do it. Yes. You don't understand what it's like to have a baby ripped out of you. And, you know, just like totally crazy stuff. Like, I don't know where it was coming from. <laughs> it's not crazy though. It's because that's yeah. how you felt at the time and it's happening, yeah. you know, so yeah. I and totally that's, get that. 
And that's my personality is I keep it all in until it just explodes like a volcano some eventually. And um, mm-hmm. so we, I agreed with him after I thought about it for a few days. And then, you know, we had our wedding and we had our awesome honeymoon. And it was fantastic. And I'm so glad we didn't try like be pregnant on the side because then I couldn't have had, you know, all my drinks and right. this, that and the other. Where did you guys go on your honeymoon? <laughs> we went to St. Lucia. Oh, wow. Cool. So I spent a week drinking on the beach, which was amazing. Right. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So then we got back and that's when we started trying again. The doctor, I went to the uh, gynecologist and I was like, listen, what should I do to, you know, get pregnant again quickly? And mm-hmm. she said, you know, start measuring when you ovulate, you know, get the ovulation kits, blah, blah, blah. Just take your temperature. I did all that stuff. And then we got pregnant again pretty quickly in November. You did? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I found out like actually found out I was pregnant on the day that the first baby would have been due. Oh, wow. My first due date. It was just like mindful. How did that feel? I mean, I was super happy, but also just, you know, bittersweet. Yes. You know, thinking like this would have been the day I would have had my baby, but now I'm finding out I'm pregnant again, which, you know, okay. Right. So again, we were super happy. Yeah. We were like, this is great. Like, okay. You know, that one was a fluke. This one's going to be okay. You know, I never thought that it could happen again. Mm-hmm. And again, we went in nine weeks for the first ultrasound and no heartbeat. So another missed miscarriage, same thing, basically. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And have any sort of like symptoms or any, no, or any feeling? No cramping, or- no bleeding. I know I didn't, I had a feeling when I looked back on it, like this isn't going to work, but I kind of pushed that away. I was like, no, don't be so negative. Why do the you- baby will feel it, be positive, you know? Right. <laughs> Why do you think you had that feeling? Just, I started, started getting negative, I think about the whole process. Like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. But Uh I, you know, I just pushed it away and tried to be more positive. Uh But I remember lying there on the table during that ultrasound after she told us, you know, and just moaning, I can't believe this is happening again. I can't believe this is happening again. You know? Yeah. We have talked about this with a number of people where I think one of the worst parts of this whole infertility bullshit is that appointment where you don't hear the heartbeat. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the most gut-wrenching moments. So many people have gone through that and you had to go through that twice. I mean, I just remember before every appointment, you're like, please, please, please be a heartbeat. Please be a heartbeat. Please be a heartbeat. And then it's just absolutely terrible. Your your world has changed within seconds. So like I said, I was confident because I didn't have any like, spotting or anything like right. that. But I also had in the back of my head, like, mm, maybe this isn't going to work. Right. But I love um, that you say that you didn't want to think that way because the baby could feel it. Because I think that's yeah. so valid too, is like, yes, yeah. I know what you mean by that. Like, you mm-hmm. just don't want to put anything out yeah, there. Yeah, the negative. Right I don't want to try to be, yeah, like, I'm going to be positive. This is going to, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the first ultrasound back, you know, in March, my husband didn't come with me because I thought it was just, you know, like a routine, you know, checkup, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And so he hadn't come with me and I told him this time, I'm like, you're coming with me. I want you there. And he was there and we were just both crying together in that room. Uh, And that time I had started reading a little bit, starting to delve into the Google rabbit hole mm -hmm. and read that DNCs can leave a little bit of scarring in Mm -hmm. your uterus. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to avoid that. So I opted for naturally miscarrying. Okay. I didn't take any medication. I just waited for it to happen. And it actually happened about two days later, mm-hmm. which again, I thought was like my brain told my body, you know, to do it. This is what's right. happening, you know, like, 
Yes. And then I felt like that's how I felt like my brain finally understood this is not working and told my body to, you know, miscarry. That's what I should have done six weeks at six weeks instead of nine. Right. Do you think it would have been any easier at six weeks or Mm -hmm. different kind of pain? Physically, physically, yes. I mean, I don't want to get into the the gruesome details, but Mm -hmm. at six weeks, your uterus and the embryo is much smaller than at nine weeks. Mm -hmm. So traumatically speaking, yeah, it would have been easier. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit of a, a very emotional, traumatic scene that when I did finally miscarry and I had to keep the embryo, so mm. I had to wrap it up in paper towel and keep it in a Tupperware. I mean, it was just oh, bananas. They were going to test it. They want to test. They wanted to test it. So I had to bring it the next day oh, to the office. She checked me to make sure it was complete. It was, had it tested and it was a chromosomal problem. I had a trisomy of chromosome three. So that would have, that baby never had a chance basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was January of How are you feeling like emotionally at, the, at this point? I, that that really a lot. beat me down. That yeah. beat me down. But I talked to my that gynecologist, and she was like, "Listen, you know, you're 40 now. If you want this to happen, and you want this to happen now, you need to go to a specialist." Mm-hmm. She's like, "You could. This could keep going on and on and on. You know, pregnancy after pregnancy, losing them." And I was like, "I can't do this again." Mm-hmm. So she had a, a friend that was a um, RE and she sent me to him, got in right away. I was surprised how quickly we got in with him. That was end of January. So in within two, two and a half weeks, I was seeing him of the miscarriage. Okay. So immediately got me started with all the blood work, the testing. He was fantastic. I didn't need to interview anyone else. I loved him right away. Mm-hmm. That's um, good. If I can say his name, I would can, like sure. recommend anybody in the world to go see him, Dr. Andy Wong at Reproductive Partners in LA. He okay. is a god to me. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So I had my testing, everything looked normal. Every, all my hormones, everything looked normal. I you know, had my egg counts and everything was good for my age. So my official diagnosis was just you know, advanced maternal age. My egg quality wasn't that great. Right. That's so immediately through, yeah, just that's, that's as simple. And it was He's like, you don't, you're not having trouble getting pregnant, but you're having yeah. trouble staying pregnant. Saying, yeah. He said yep. what you're getting pregnant with, with, you know, mm-hmm. you're, he's like, he gave me the analogy. You're reaching into the cookie jar. Instead of getting that chocolate chip, you're getting a sugar cookie every time. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that's a good analogy. Yeah, he had a lot of, he had a lot of great analogies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we went right into um, the whole process and I, found out I had an infection. So we couldn't do the first IVF until April. So I guess the miscarriages had given me a uterine infection that I didn't know about. So I had to, you know, go on antibiotics and oh, wow. make sure everything was, you know, healthy until before they started. Okay. So first IVF was April, 2015. when we had 12 eggs, I believe I had like 17, but my one ovary floated behind my uterus. So we couldn't access it. So we lost those eggs. Oh, wow. One whole thing like that. Okay. Yeah. So one whole ovary basically was like MIA. <laughs> really? It was like, nope. Yeah. Nope. Not having it. Opt but out my good of, I had like one ovary that was like overperforming. So that one he got to, and he got out like 12 or 15 eggs. I can't remember now. And 10 fertilized. I think we got down to finally six blastocysts. They had, or no, was it three? I think it was just three. We froze those. We pulled out the, you know, the cells, tested them, froze the, the, um, the eggs mm-hmm. or the blastocysts, whatever you call them at that point, mm-hmm. and um, immediately started prepping to go into the second IVF because we knew we wanted multiple children. We wanted siblings. Yeah. So we thought, hey, you know, maybe we'll do you know, two and see what we get. 
Mm-hmm. How did you do with all the the stims and drugs and injections and all that stuff? I did really well. I responded well for my age. Okay. Um, did you I have any problems like administering anything for oh, you? No. Or like, I mean, I did it all myself. My husband yeah. was just like, he saw the needles and he was like, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it all by myself, standing in the kitchen every night, you know, yeah. doing it. I got really quick and professional at it and I could get it done with, within five minutes. And uh-huh. You know, it was, that was not hard for me. That was okay. pretty easy. Yeah. The emotions, I wasn't really emotional at that point. I didn't get a lot of hormone emotions. I was pretty even keel throughout it all. I found it interesting because I'd heard, you know, the nightmares about turning into like, you know, monsters while, while yes. you're doing it. Yeah. Everybody responds so differently. I didn't think that yeah. I responded, but then like a couple of years later, my husband's like, yeah, you're a little crazy. <laughs> I was like, exactly. What? I mean, I could, I could ask my husband. He's I like, mean, mm, yeah, you're a skewed uh, vision there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I had a lucky where the kids I was nannying, um, I only had to work in the afternoons to you know, pick them up from school and everything. Mm-hmm. So I had the mornings where I could just, you know, meditate, go to my acupuncture, go to my massage. There was a question you asked me about that. Like, what did I, yes. what other things did I do? And I did all yeah. that. Tell me about all I that. Was, what did you I was to able do? to do that. I went to weekly acupuncture mm-hmm. where she, every once in a while would do an electric stimulation of my ovaries, like these little things that she would attach to the, mm-hmm. to the needles. Oh, and she was cool. a, a, and she was a reproductive acupuncturist. So she was specifically for what I needed, you know? So cool. Yeah. And I had been seeing her since before I got pregnant the second time. So she was helping me with that too, you know, getting pregnant naturally. And then we went over to the IVF stuff and getting weekly massages for stress. I was doing meditation, you know, on like a meditation app, Uh just trying to, you know, do everything I could. And then I also did a, a whole supplement plan that I read about in a book. That's also a fantastic book to read. It's, it starts with the egg. Oh, yes. Yep. Did you hear about that one? Yeah, it's good for, for women who are, you know, 35 and older. It's just, you know, life changes and mm-hmm. all these different supplements you can take. So I did a whole regimen. I think I was taking 25 supplements at one time. Oh. <laughs> you know, my little pill box was so right. full. <laughs> yes. So anyways, that was April, first IVF, second IVF. We hopped right into in June. Had to cancel that one because I did not respond to the, to the meds, amazingly, mm. that time. Okay. So he canceled me weren't. probably on... Yeah. I mean, he said that sometimes it happens. Your body just was like, oh my God, all these hormones and just was just like over, like overstimulated in a sense. Like I don't know, you needed time to recover in between. Mm -hmm. So we canceled that round like on day 10, I think, right before the retrieval. That was probably disappointing though. It was very disappointing, but I completely understood. We had pre-planned, we had prepaid for two IVF rounds. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you cancel now, you can use this that money towards a third IVF because okay. you can go through with the with the retrieval. So I was like, okay, then yes. we're canceling. Sure. Was everything like out of pocket? Because for us, yes, yeah, okay, yeah, we didn't have any. LA, there's covered. nothing covered. Only yeah. maybe some of the initial testing if they code it properly. Right. Okay. But yeah, everything was out of pocket. So we prepaid, and I was like, yes, because I wanted to try. He's like, we know your body can get over ten eggs because I think I only had five at that point mm-hmm. that he was seeing on the ultrasound. So we canceled. I ended up getting a cyst, didn't have my period for like 65 days. That was oh, a whole what? nightmare that we had to go through because he, in, in, in retrospect, he said he should have um, triggered me out of that canceled mm. round instead of just letting me fall out of it naturally. Okay. So one of those follicles that was stimulated turned into a cyst. Okay. Gotcha. So that's why I didn't get my period for so long. So waited for that to, you know, resolve itself. It did. When you didn't I mean, get your period, did you think at all? Maybe like, maybe I'm pregnant? Oh, Yeah. 
Okay. I took, I don't know how many pregnancy tests, constantly negative, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I thought that's I was another mind again, fuck, really right? Out. <laughs> Absolutely. Always thinking that, you know, you miss a p- period by a day or two. I'm, I'm pregnant again. Cause I know I can get pregnant, which right. is just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So then August, we went into our third IVF. Everything went well. Everything was just like the first round. We got the same three embryos. We had them tested. And so we had six embryos to test. We sent them all at the same time. We got one good embryo out of the first round. And okay. the third second or the third round, we got nothing. In fact, they were like, I called them my Frankenstein IVF. Because oh, really? all of them had like multiple chromosomal issues. Oh wow. Isn't that and so it's interesting? Cool yeah, they- it's so oh, crazy no. because yeah, that third round they had suggested I go on human growth hormone uh-huh. shots uh-huh. to help my eggs divide better. It's this whole theory. I don't want to go into the science of it, but okay. when you're older, your eggs don't this, the chromosomes in your eggs don't divide as quickly, don't split as quickly as a younger person's. Mm-hmm. So they start like ripping and tearing, and that's how you get like trisomies and monosomies. Okay. So the theory, the theory is the human growth hormone will make the eggs, the the chromosomes in the eggs split better. Gotcha. So your eggs are essentially younger. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't get anything out of there. We were both surprised. We were like, with the human growth hormone, you would have thought we got at least one. Right. No. Wow. And that's when it all went downhill for me. I went into such a tailspin emotionally. Okay. And I was really in a bad, bad place. And I remember I looked up on this Resolve, do you know the Resolve website? Yes. It's the, it's the national for, 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 uh, for infertility and you know child loss and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I found a therapist nearby that is an infertility therapist. And mm-hmm. I called up and I said, listen, I'm having a really bad time. I think I'm sinking down fast. I need help. Mm-hmm. And she got me in right away and wow. went to see her and started right away, you know, working through everything. Mm-hmm. And three weeks after that IVF retrieval, I found out I was pregnant again. Okay. <laughs> Naturally, spontaneously. What? I know what? it's all happening. It's like, it was just like fireworks. This is all oh these weird gosh. things kept happening. So, okay, you know, so within you the two weeks. To the therapist. Mm-hmm. And what were you, tell me, what were you feeling? Like, what were you like? Feeling? I was feeling like, like a broken, failure. Like, like my, my body is broken. I failed at the one thing that my female body is supposed to do. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, apologizing to my husband for, you know, why did you marry me? I'm, I'm, I'm broken. You shouldn't have married me, you know? Yeah. All these ridiculous things. That, was he able to make you feel better or like, yes. were you guys arguing? He made, or? he made me feel better. We weren't arguing anymore. He was as, just as sad as I was, you know, we were yeah. trying to decide what to do next. We knew we were going to take a break. We needed a break for me to get better. We needed a break for us to get better. So we had already decided on that. Like, we need to think about what we're going to do next. Uh-huh. Because immediately, as soon as my doctor told me that the third IVF had failed so badly, he's like, you could try again. I know you can, you have it in you. I know there's at least one more in there. If you want to try, I'm down with that. And I was like, okay. okay. But my, you know, my husband and I just were like, we need a break. We need to figure this all out. Okay. I knew at work, things were ramping up for another movie. So I was like, okay, uh-huh. know, let's just, let's just figure this all out and take our time. Okay. And started going to the therapy, working on myself, meditating. Mm-hmm. You know, coming to terms with everything's not my fault. I didn't it's so great that wrong, you got et cetera. therapy right away. Yeah. And that I let it, that I accepted that, that I needed that, that help. Yeah. Because I never, in my life, I was like, I don't need therapy. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> was it the first time you'd ever been to therapy? Ever. Yeah. My first oh, wow. time ever. Okay. So, yeah. 
So it was just, that was hard for me too, to start talking about myself and, and right. like opening up about all these things. So right. it was good. It's great. I needed that. I needed that release. Yeah. So then I'm, you know, had already gone, I think through two or three uh, sessions with her. Uh-huh. And then I found out I was pregnant. Okay. So then so I without was, any sort of intervention, <laughs> without right? anything. Okay. Yeah, without anything. So I think the the fact that my husband and I had talked about it said we're taking a break. Let's forget about this for a while. Right. Let's you go to therapy. You do all these things for yourself for now. You know, yeah. like heal, heal thyself. Yeah. I think maybe that stupid thing that people always tell you: stop stressing and it'll happen. Yes. yes. Maybe that happened. Yeah. Maybe it did maybe that did. It took it all off of me. It took it all off of us. You know, we were right. And then I found out I was pregnant and I went into the doctor, my infertility doctor immediately, you know, doing all the blood tests and the first ultrasound. And I was like, I know where this is going. As soon as I have the miscarriage, when can we start this next IVF? Like, give me the whole time frame. Right. And he's like, hold on a second, you know, just give this, give this a chance. Let's see where this is going. And like I said, he's fantastic. He knows how to talk to me. He knows how to talk me down. This is my uh-huh. you know, infertility doctor. He's uh-huh. amazing. Uh-huh. So we went in and had all those ultrasounds. Everything looked normal. All the blood tests were coming back, you know, rising HCG numbers, all the betas, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. We went in every week for ultrasounds. Okay. Oh, and that's good. Heartbeat. Go so there's, yeah. There's a heartbeat. Okay, great. Next okay, one. So wait, growth. this is the first time that you'd heard a heartbeat at all. Yes, this is the first pregnancy. time. At six weeks, we saw it. We saw the heartbeat. So that must have felt amazing. That was good. But I, you know, I was still kind of apprehensive, like, mm, okay, that's wonderful. But, you know, it's still really early. Let's, I was almost, you know, just waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time. Right, exactly. Because that was my history, you know, like it's going to die next week and we're going to go in the next week and there's not going to be anything left, you know, mm-hmm. like that was my mindset going in. And he, my doctor would always be like, Hey, what's going on? How are you feeling? Let's see some growth in this baby. And, you know, he was always so like high energy about it, which was yeah, very great for me. Positive. Yeah. I needed that because mm-hmm. I needed that, you know, encouragement from him. Mm-hmm. So seven weeks, heartbeat's still there and it's growing. Eight weeks, heartbeat's still there. Look, it's moving, you know, it's bouncing around like it's on a trampoline. Uh-huh. Nine weeks, still everything's fine. 10 weeks. And I was like, Oh my gosh. This is happening. That I must know. have felt great to pass the nine week mark. Right? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. It felt wonderful because that okay. was always, you know, the the nightmare week. Right. And then he's like, "Do you want to do the blood test to check the chromosomes?" And I'm like, "Um, hell's yes." Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did the blood test. It came back everything normal. Oh my gosh! Chromosomally perfect little girl. Oh. And my husband and I were like on the floor of his office, just bawling our eyes out when they called us and told us <laughs> because we did all this, all this nightmare, all this stuff. And then we just did it naturally on our own. Like, yes. <laughs> so I went into that last appointment where we were graduating and I said, can you tell me how this happened? Literally, I need to know how this happened. Right. Yes. Because, you know. Look at my Franken babies that we created, you know, not two months ago. Mm-hmm. How did this happen? And he's like, I don't know. I can't tell you how it happened. It just happened. My whole theory was that the HGH, that human growth hormone that I was taking, helped the eggs that were still tiny, the follicles uh-huh. develop. And one of the eggs that, you know, the egg that was fertilized and became our daughter yeah. was one of those ones that was helped along by yes. the HGH. That's my theory, and I'm sticking with yeah, it. Yeah, that's what, it was a good that was what popped into my mind too. And <laughs> 
It's, I mean, knowing nothing about it, that was my first thought was maybe the HGH, Mm -hmm. but who knows? I mean, maybe it's a little bit of magic, maybe the universe, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. definitely one of the babies, one of the little babies I lost came back to me. Who knows? Oh yeah. But then, you know, I start going down that road of if I hadn't gone through all of that, you know, the losses, the IVF, I wouldn't have my daughter now because that's how, you know, she was meant to be. (laughs) Right. So that pregnancy was wonderful, perfect. Everything was normal, the whole thing. She was oh, born at 40 so weeks. Okay. Naturally, she came out really fast. Uh-huh. She was so the pregnancy wonderful. was good and all that? Yeah, everything was good. Nothing went wrong. Everything was perfect. They, you know, every time I had the ultrasounds at the high risk doctors, they were like, "You have a textbook pregnancy. She's perfect." Okay, thank you. <laughs> that is so great. So you yeah. had how old were you when you had her? 40? 40? So I was just before I turned 41. We did have the one embryo left from IVF that we had frozen. Okay. She was waiting. There's a girl. She's, she was waiting for us. So we went back October of 2017, September, October-ish, and we went for a transfer. Okay. So how old was Emma at that point? Emma was like 14 months, maybe. So just over one. Okay. So you didn't I know I didn't, I didn't want to wait so long. I didn't want to be like, you know, 45 sure. and pregnant. What we ended up doing was because I only had one embryo to go for, he wanted everything to be perfect. He made me go through a mock cycle okay, where you do the meds, the stimu- not the you know, IVF meds, but the meds to get your uterus prepped for transfer. Okay. And then he did this thing where I just listened to your um, guest. I think it was, what was her name? The one who's just going through IVF right now. Blair. Blair. Yeah. Her she cat- had the ERA. Yeah. The ERA, the, yes. the testing of the uterine lining. I had to yes. get that. Okay. Um, just to target the right date to put the embryo in. Everything went well. Everything gotcha. was normal. And then we did the transfer in September. And that was, I mean, you remember doing that, the, just the watching the little starburst on the screen when yes. you put it in. And, yes. you know, it was just, I was crying the whole time. <laughs> yes. You're like, that's it right um, there. They give you yeah. the picture of the little, mm-hmm. yep. The little embryo coming out, hatching out of its little shell. It's mm-hmm. just amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had the transfer September and, you know, you're supposed to wait till betas, you know, your first blood test. I, I didn't. Eight days after the transfer, I started doing the P tests and I was pregnant. I yeah, I didn't wait. I couldn't wait. That's yeah. not my personality. Okay. <laughs> so I was pregnant. It worked. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So, so she was born the following June. So they were born. Her birthday is 10 days before Emma's and that was Willa. She's, she's uh, oh, great. going to be one soon. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. okay. So yeah, Willa okay, is so. technically quote unquote older than Emma. Oh my gosh. I never thought about conceived, that. Yeah. She was conceived, you know, months before Emma was. That's so cool. <laughs> she can hold yeah. that when they're a little bit older. Exactly. I'm and I can explain it all to them. <laughs> right. Right. One thing I thought that was super interesting and I want to talk to a little bit before we wrap it up was you said that you're tossing the idea around of maybe becoming like an infertility or IVF consultant or advocate for women. Yeah, like an advocate. I've been in LA, many, many women, like I said, the dating world is really hard out here. We don't find a a mate until much later in life. Mm -hmm. So I have been talking to lots of friends of friends who are, you know, 35 plus and are having trouble. Mm-hmm. you know, getting pregnant or keeping pregnancies. And I'm like, send them my like, can you talk to my, yeah. Can you talk to my friend about what to do or what you went through? And I'm like, absolutely. So I've been talking to multiple people uh-huh. and, you know, I'm just keep coming across, you know, I'm like asking, did you do this? Did you do that? What's your process? Like, where are you in this process? I don't know. I don't think, I don't remember. I, and I'm hearing all this, like, 
just kind of not lackadaisical and not laziness, but just kind of like not knowing mm-hmm. and maybe not wanting to know because it's too scary mm-hmm. or they don't understand and they don't want to understand. They just want the doctor to figure it out for them. Yeah. And I had the opposite experience. I wanted to know exactly what was going on all the time. Mm-hmm. I was constantly Googling and researching and asking questions. And, you know, he would have a conversation with me about a procedure and I was like, oh yeah. And then this will happen. And he was like, how did you know that? And I'm like, I looked it up <laughs> mm-hmm. and he was like, okay, great. I'm glad that you did. He was always really complimentary that I was doing that, like being an advocate for myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't find that a lot in doctors. They, you know, frown down upon that. They want to be the ones to tell you what to do. Right. And I felt more like a partner in the process, which was uh-huh. very important for me. Yeah. I mean, so I think part just, of it might tie into like the lack of control with what's going on mm-hmm. inside your body that some people, and I was kind of the same way as you and some other women I've talked to is you take the matter into your own hands. You're like, all right, yeah. what about this? What about this? Yeah. Let's try this. Exactly. And, you know, Exactly. And then if you, if your doctor doesn't agree or doesn't have that sort of, you know, open personality or Mm -hmm. openness, then you need to find someone else. Don't sit there and keep going to the same doctor because I talked to this one woman and I was just like listening to her. So I'm like, Oh my God, I wish I would have talked, spoken to you like six months ago. (laughs) Right. You know, just like the stuff that was happening to her. I'm like, okay, I, I feel like this, this is a, a niche that needs to be filled. No one, there's no one in the fertility clinic when you go in there you know, to hold your hand and say, it's going to be okay. Right. Here's what's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk you through it and it'll be all right. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have a different nurse every time, you know, and different people that are, you know, asking you the same questions every time you're like, I told you this last time, you know, exactly. So you you don't find one person, almost like a doula, but for like infertility. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah, When I was listening to Allison, the, 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 I was like, this is sort of what I want to do, but I yes, don't want to. You should talk to her. I'll person. put you guys in touch. I don't know if I want to deal with birthing stuff right. that much. Right. No. Yeah. I think. <laughs> but I want to help with separate. the infertility aspect. I think that's, it's so needed. And, you know, I actually talked to my fertility doctor one of the last times I saw him and I was like, you know, I'm thinking about maybe going back to nursing school and maybe wanting to work in a fertility clinic. And he was like, if you do that, I will hire you right now knowing that you're going to do that. He's like, I feel like you especially would be such a great nurse because you've been through this and you could be so helpful. And I, that was when it first started in my mind. And then I was like, well, maybe not nursing school. Maybe I just don't need to be a nurse. Maybe I could just do it in a different way. I don't have to deal with the medical, the blood taking, all that kind of stuff. I'm just the other person that's there for questions, for support, for, you know, like, you don't know what an ERA is? Well, here, let me tell you. Because when they first tell you, you're like, what's that? And why do right. I have to pay, you know, $2,000 for it? Yeah, what so is- many acronyms <laughs> and so many, like, it's like lines on like a price sheet. And you're like, what is this? Yeah. What does that mean? What's this? Or, you know, like I, I had one of our embryos has this thing called mosaicism. Mm-hmm. And I had to call up the place that had the testing done, make an appointment for a geneticist, have them explain to me what it means. Mm-hmm. And then they said, okay, okay, bye, click. And I'm mm-hmm. like, but, but but what does that mean for the actual baby? What if I wanted to implant, you know, like all these questions right. that There's nobody so can questions. answer for me. Exactly. And um, oh my gosh, please do it. You'd be, yeah, I know I want to, and I just don't yes. know where to start. You know, I'm kind of stuck as to how do I do that? Yeah. Because it doesn't exist. Right. You know, like there's no position that exists like that. So right. anyway, okay. so the, the newest development, like I told you, is I found out I was pregnant again on mother's day this year. <laughs> <laughs> which is so wild. Um, which, yeah, I okay, mean, so not planned, three. 
we right. weren't planning on a third. We were done. But, you know, I remember after having Willa, my second, my OB was like, okay, so what kind of, you know, birth control do you want to get on? And I was like, <laughs> I'm 43. I, you know, I'm not right. going to get pregnant again. Are you joking? Come yeah. on. <laughs> He's like, well, it's not, it's not uncommon, you know, it's, uh-huh. it can happen. And I was like, yeah, whatever. We'll be fine. <laughs> uh-huh. So did, and here we go. So what happened? How did you find out? And what I want to hear the conversation. Well, between you know, it's, it's, it's funny, because I was the, the month before I had been like, five days late, and I took two pregnancy tests, and they were both negative. So I'm like, Oh, okay, I'm going through perimenopause. It's starting. Mm-hmm. My cycles are going to be all out of whack from now on. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to the next month, I was lying in bed one night, and my cat came up to sleep on my chest. And he only does that when I'm pregnant. <gasps> what? So immediately he laid on my chest and fell asleep. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, what is this magical creature? Tell me more about your well, cat. Do you know animals can sense your hormone shift? Uh-huh. Okay. Dogs more than cats, but they've documented cases of, of this happening. And he's only done that when I'm pregnant, the four times that I've been pregnant. The wow. only times he climbs on my chest and falls asleep is when that happens. So, okay, so he so did when that. You, when you start your new career as this consultant or slash advocate, <laughs> yeah. you need everybody a get a cat. <laughs> you need to have your cat with you in the office. Women yeah. down and then the cat. Will. <laughs> exactly. He'll be the cat, the cat, um, you know, I don't know, yeah. guru. <laughs> exactly. So he laid on my chest and I was, you know, like one in the morning or something. And I pulled up my little period tracker app and I looked at it and I was like, oh, crap you know, it was like four days late. Uh-huh. But then I was like, oh, but I was like this last month and there was nothing happening. So it's uh-huh. just, it'll be fine. So I went to Target and got a pregnancy test the next day after I woke up. And then the following day, which was Mother's Day, took mm-hmm. the pregnancy test. And with my little baby pulling toilet paper off the roll mm-hmm. and I looked down and it says pregnant super fast. And <laughs> I just crawled, curled up into a, a ball onto the floor and I started chanting, oh my God, no, oh my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter bursts in, starts patting my back and saying, what wrong, mama? What wrong? Oh, was that Emma or Willa? <laughs> yeah, that's Emma. No, that was okay. Emma. Okay. Willa's still pulling toilet paper off the road. Toilet. My husband, my husband's like, what's the matter? And I just held up the stick for him and he looked at it and he was just like bug eyed. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and yeah, so that was that. And it's just, ever since then, we're just totally in shock. I'm sure. So this is such a new development. (laughs) This has happened since before we originally emailed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't life amazing? Oh my gosh. It's it's bananas. So crazy. Again, I'm, I'm trying not to be, you know, a Debbie Downer and, you know, like I know where this is headed, you know. Sure. It's it's still very early for you, right? Yeah. So I immediately called my, you know, that was Sunday, Monday morning. I called my OB and I was like, listen, I just found out I was pregnant. I want to have this test. I want to have this test. I want to go on progesterone. I want to do all these things. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. I don't do any of that stuff. Like I don't usually see anybody till they're eight or nine weeks, you Mm -hmm. know? And I was like, okay, well, can you call in the progesterone for me? And he's like, yeah, sure. But I don't know what to do with it. Like how I should give you how to monitor you for it. I don't know what that is. And I'm like, okay. You're like, I'll figure this out. Yeah. I was on a half CC. So I could just be on that again. And he's like, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I called my fertility clinic, my old fertility clinic. And I was like, you know, left a message. I'm a former patient. This is happening. I need help. I need advice. A nurse called me back. She stayed on the phone with me for a good half hour, just talking me down off my ledge. Mm-hmm. And she said, just come in to see us. 
just come in. It's fine. Make an appointment. I'll send you up to the, you know, transfer you back up, make an appointment. Dr. Wong will see you. No problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I see him on Friday for our first ultrasound. Hey guys, it's me. I wanted to pause Angela's story for a second because after she and I talked the first time, things didn't exactly turn out as she was hoping. She emailed me that things had taken a turn for the worse. So we reconnected and this is the second part of our chat. We pick up where Angela is telling me about going in for her first ultrasound. So then I went in to him and we to have our first ultrasound. It was, I want to say seven weeks mm-hmm. with my doctor and it was seven weeks, two days I was supposed to be. And he inserted the wand for the ultrasound and he, you know, poked around a couple of times. Also saying, by the way, my machine I think is on the fritz. And I was like, oh, fantastic. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. After and all of you've course, been through. Yeah. And the OB, the regular OB doesn't have the sensitive machines. He just has kind of a basic, you know, machine. Oh Gosh. So I'm like, okay, whatever. And I'm holding my husband's hand and he kind of pokes around a little bit. And he's like, I don't see anything. Ugh. There's nothing in here. So he took the wand out, kind of poked around, looked at like sort of the ovaries and kind of looked around, you know, in other areas. He's like, I don't really see anything. How many weeks are you supposed to be? And I went back over the dates. He's like, well, maybe your dates are wrong. Mm. And I was like, okay, listen, dude, Mm -hmm. (laughs) with my track history, I am like type A control freak about, I know my dates. I know when I ovulated, I know it to the minute almost, you know what I mean? Like when you go through what we've been through, you, you know. Absolutely. There is no mistake. So he's like, well, let's just give it some more time and you can come in again. And we'll do another blood test to see where HCG is. He was kind of very like lackadaisical about it, where I was totally freaking out at that point. Like there should be something in there. I know what I should be seeing, at least a sack. Something to, you know, warrant yes. these high HCG numbers. Hadn't had any bleeding or cramping or anything yet. So I knew I didn't have a miscarriage. So he sent me home. And kind of was like, we'll see, come back in two weeks and we'll have another look. In two weeks? Yeah, in two weeks. And I was like, how are you um, supposed to get through that two weeks without like exactly. freaking out? Yeah, exactly. So I was, I was just having like an anxiety attack on the drive home. And, you know, husbands as they are, was, he was very like, well, let's just like see what's going, you know, like, why don't we just wait and see? And mm-hmm. I was like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> so I immediately, and I'd already been sort of in contact with Dr. Wong before that, like, via the office and I was going to have a phone consult with him. I immediately called his office and I was like, I want to cancel the phone consult. I need to come in. I need to see him. I Good need for to find you. out what's going on. And yes. I, 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 I left him, I emailed him. I emailed my main nurse from back in the day and they both got back to me quickly. I was crying hysterical with him. And I, you know, please, oh, please, can you see me? I'm begging. And he's like, no, you don't even have to beg. You're my patient always and forever. And that really set me off. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Yeah. So immediately they wanted my, my blood work numbers and the other doctor's office wouldn't give them to me because he hadn't seen them yet. The other doctor, my mm-hmm. regular OB, he's, they can't give me the numbers over the phone. So I told my doc, Dr. Wong that and he's like, don't worry about it. We'll find out. They called the blood lab, got my numbers, called me back within a half an hour. They're like, it's going up. We need you to come in right now. It's going up. The okay. HCG was, it wasn't doubling. It wasn't where it should have been for that time frame. Okay. So we knew something was wrong, obviously, yeah. and also not seeing anything on an ultrasound. So immediately, you know, I'm packing up the kids. I'm freaking out, calling the husband. This is all happening on another day, not mm-hmm. the same day within that ultra, first ultrasound. And I get there, you know, the waiting room is full. 
I've got my two girls with me. I'm getting deaf stares from other women because that's what I used to do when women came in with children. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, like, yes. I'm sorry. I, I'm not, you know, like, I just felt really bad about being in there with my two kids, but yes. I had no other You know choice. what's so funny? <laughs> do you watch that show called I'm Sorry, actually, with yes. um, Andrea Savage? Yes. I was just watching that this morning. She's and hysterical. It, it, I love that show. And she is hysterical. You're right. But mm-hmm. there's an episode where she goes in to get, you know, fertility checked out and mm-hmm. she brings her older daughter. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, this is so realistic. It was so really. Yeah. Because I remember that look I would give other women. I'd be like, why are you in here? You are in here. And she's like, maybe we should have left her at home. And like (laughs) her husband's like, it's fine. And then they get in and everyone's like death staring them. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm sitting there. It's busy. It's a very busy office. I finally get in. My doctor of Wong was there, but he was consulting with other patients. So I saw another doctor, which was fine. And immediately the machine was beautiful and, you know, detailed. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good. He went in there. Found something in my uterus, found an ectopic in a fallopian tube right by the ovary. Oh. So it was, they can't confirm it. They will not say, you know, officially because there, there, were, no, there were no heartbeats. Okay. But it was my opinion, my personal expert opinion. It was a twin pregnancy. Yeah. Because the HCG was so CG high. was high. Was, it was high, but yeah. it was low enough for it to not be viable at all. Oh, so there were no so heartbeats. Sorry. It was, yeah, I mean, one was bigger than the other. You know, the, the, the fallopian tube one was an actual, like, a sack. The other one was sort of already collapsing. So there were lots of theories, float, you know, shot out kind of in that office. But, yeah. you know, the fact of the matter was is that I needed to, it needed to be resolved because it was a dangerous situation. Yes. If that bursts, you know, it, it's, you have internal bleeding. And, yes. Thank God that you, know. you again, at, you're yeah. such a good advocate for yourself. Thank God you <laughs> yeah. went in. Yeah. I mean, think about that. If I had waited two weeks. Oh. That would have just kept growing until, you know, it finally burst and oh I'm in the hospital. You, you can die from that, from the internal bleeding. Yep. I was so livid. I was so angry at that other doctor. Yeah. And still, he did not, I had called him so many times. He still had not checked in with me until after, like two days after I'd seen Dr. Wong. Hey, just call him, check in, see what's going on, you know. Blah, blah. Wow. Very That's like, un- doop, 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 doop. <laughs> So I was, it was livid, but I was also so happy that I was able to see my other doctor, the old Dr. Wong again, that he just took such good care of me. I had to do, it wasn't, I didn't have to do surgery, thank God, because there was no heartbeat. I guess that's the kind of, Mm. the the line they draw on the sand. If there's a, if there's a heartbeat, then they have to do surgery, but they Mm -hmm. just give me a shot called method something or other, dextrate. Okay. Yes. They, they do it according to your weight. And so you have to, you know, get weight and then they do the dosage based on that. And then that's you, always fun. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, great. Adding so insult to injury for me at three, least. Three shots I had to get. So <laughs> I had to go down to the pharmacy, the, you know, shots up, go back to the office. And they're the big, long needles, like, you know, the trigger shot. So they had to give it to me. And then you have to wait and they do your betas again and they check to see if it's going down. And they went two days later and my numbers were still going up. Whoa. So I had to go get another round of shots. And meanwhile, these things cause nausea and, Mm -hmm. you know, if it works, it starts to cause cramping and things. Usually they say it just reabsorbs into your body. That's the whole point of the shot. Mm -hmm. There will be no traditional miscarriage, I was told. And I was like, oh, that's good because that's pretty traumatic to go through. Yeah. Wouldn't you know it, one day I'm standing here making breakfast and I suddenly feel cramping. Oh. heavy, like I know this every five minutes and I'm like, okay, 
I'm up by myself with these kids. What am I going to do? I run to the bathroom and I had a miscarriage. Oh, so that was my kind of like, this was a twin pregnancy. That was a sack. This, you know, and I, I called the office and I said, this is what happened. And they're like, okay, are you all right? Are you bleeding? You know, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm I'm fine now. Went back in for my beta check again and it had dropped like crazy Uh dropped. So she's like, okay, that was good. You know, you, you passed what it was and now your betas will continue to go down. And they did, but it Uh took a while. I wasn't until mid July when they were finally back down to zero. Oh, so rough. It was sort of traumatic, but at the same time it wasn't, I was so distracted having, you know, these two young kids running around. Yes. We can hear um, who one of them in the background there, yeah, I want to yeah. point out that, which is like <laughs> yeah. real life. I get it. Yeah. And um, so I was very distracted and it didn't really hit me until recently. I want to say last month mm-hmm. when a friend of mine who I had confided in that I was pregnant again, she had told me she was as well. And we were both kind of like, oh gosh, like, what are we going to do? You know? And hers was, her pregnancy was fine. It continued on and she's due in four weeks, I think. Mm -hmm. So seeing her, seeing her belly, you know, and just, I started like before with other miscarriages, started to seeing pregnancies everywhere, everywhere that I went, everywhere, Target, the grocery store, blah, blah, blah. You know, I just was seeing it everywhere. And I started thinking wistfully, mostly like, oh, what could have been? Right. And then I started going down the rabbit hole. I started Googling um, the due date. Oh. I started Googling, you know, looking at the videos of what the baby would look like now in utero and, yeah. you know, the, the milestones you've been reaching. And then like, oh, I would have hit viability day this day, you know, and I Ugh. just started doing that stuff. And it was just, you know, self-sabotage, really. Yeah. But it's because like then a I would, mechanism too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, because I would look at it with my brain and say, oh, we can't afford this. And I've got too much on my plate with these two. And I'm too old. I'm 45. That was mm-hmm. such a high risk pregnancy. Especially Me too, twins. girl. 45. Yeah. yeah. Like, especially if it were, if it were truly twins, like had it all worked out like it should have, like I would have been having those babies now because yep. it was the due date was January 15th and they don't let you go that long, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. So, you know, I, I kind of confided in my husband about how I was feeling. He's like, yeah, but you know, silver lining and that's not the right thing to be saying. Right. You know this. <laughs> totally. And that's what everybody says. Like, you know, people say things to try to, you know, help you, but it's the wrong thing to say to someone. Yes. And my one friend who had had previous issues, you know, pregnancy and getting pregnant and keeping pregnancies, she brought up a good point. She's like, after your other miscarriages, you had my first child and then you had your second and you had something to fill that hole. And now you don't, you don't have anything to look forward to. You know, you're not going to have any more mm-hmm. kids. You're done. This is it. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I'm, where I'm at right now. Like coming to that realization that this is over, this is done. This part of my life is done. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. such a different feeling from the infertility thoughts. Right. Because it's now it's like, well, you know, it's my, it's just biology pretty much. Yeah. You know, this age. And like I said, I to that one email to you, it's coming to terms with the, the passing of the age of fertility or something like that. I read somewhere. Yes, exactly. You know, I mean, and that's what it is. It's sort of like a little bit of a mourning period. Like, Oh, that's, that's part of my life is over. I'll never feel another, you know, kick or do that again. Yeah. I think it's interesting in pointing out. And I want to ask you too, like, the complicated set of feelings that you have, like you, you know, went through infertilities and it was so hard at certain mm-hmm. points. And then when you got pregnant again, did you feel 
a little bit like conflicted because you were like, I wanted this so badly, but now I'm not sure. And like, I did, I did have a lot of guilt because there were really, there were a few days where I was like, we can't do this. We're not going to do this. Right. You know? And you know, I started looking up where's plant parenthood in my neighborhood, you know, like where are the closest offices? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was like, and, and I think it took two or three days before I was like, Nope, I can't do that. That's like a big slap to the universe. You know, after all that we went through and suddenly like, you know, you're going to have a baby again and this is natural and you're so lucky and don't you dare do anything to not make that happen. Yeah. So I was already sort of resigned and bonded with the, with the thought of, you know, there being another baby. And so, you know, I was accepting it at a certain point. My husband was not. And, you know, he was just very like, I don't know. Yeah. Of course he's like, I'll do, I'll support you with whatever, you know, whatever you choose to do, but. Right. And then did you have feelings afterwards when it didn't work out that like, if only I I had wanted it more? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Cause I feel like I would have felt that way too. Yeah. I totally did. I said, maybe, maybe the baby felt me not wanting it. Oh God. Do you know what I mean? And so I said, okay, stop. But because it was an ectopic, it kind of was just like, no, there, it never got to that point. Right. No, it wasn't you. But I've, I totally right. would have felt the same exact way because you do mm-hmm. like you play those mental games where mm-hmm. like realistically that's not going to affect it. Yeah. But, and I've heard it over and over in your podcast, like yeah. in different episodes, like, yeah. you know, what did I do wrong? Did I work out too hard? Did I do this? Did I do that? You know, I didn't do yeah. anything physical that, that scared me thinking, you know, it was just my mental state. Yeah. For those first few days where I was like, oh, I willed it to not happen. <laughs> oh my God. I totally know what you mean. I think a lot of people will understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. so yeah, that's where we're at right now. It's just, it's, it's, it resolved and it's good. And, you know, it's just going to take me some time to kind of, you know, move on. And I'm, like I said, it was, it was hard last month, but now I'm kind of like, even if it had gone, you know, past the point of, you know, okay, it's viable. It's good. It's, we're going all the testing I would have had to go through because it was a spontaneous pregnancy at the age of 45, mm-hmm. you know, all the risk factors coming with that and the high risk for me and everything. Right. And I was like, Oh my God, that would have been so stressful. My mom would have had to come here to help me take care of my kids. What if I'd gone on bed rest? Like, so I'm like, Oh, I see why my husband says silver lining. Okay. Yeah. It does so I'm able sense. to really kind of let my brain take over with the, you know, intellectual part of it. It's hard though, when people say things like, well, it's for the best, you mm-hmm. know, like, and that doesn't help at all. Yeah. So, it's, so I mean, sure- you know, it's 2020 is a year for me to just reset myself, my body, you know, maybe go back to therapy and work out the stuff that's lingering. Yes. I did that before it, between um, miscarriage. Well, between IVF and getting pregnant for the first yeah. time that stuck. So it was very helpful and I wish I would have stayed with it, but I, I yeah. stopped. I thought, yeah, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm cured. Woo-hoo. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> course, I don't need to come to you anymore, lady. God, bye. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, exactly. yeah, therapy is a good place and it's, I need to go back. And that's the beauty of it is like, it's mm-hmm. always there and you, you mm-hmm. know, back off a little bit. Same with exercising or any of the stuff mm-hmm. that you for yourself, you know, you yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be the year of me. That's what I say. 2020, the year of you. Yeah. I like it. I mean, year of me. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm excited thinking, for 2020. You know, going, going back to like, you know, trying to figure out how to, how to work in this field of infertility because it's become such a passion. Yeah. So what's you know? the latest with that? Well, I've done a lot of research and, you know, it's very up in the air at this point because I have such young kids. So I can't really devote 
tons of time to it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think where I'm going to go f- is maybe doing fertility coaching. Cool. I would love to become a nurse that works in a clinic, but it's very intense. Mm-hmm. The program to go back at this point, mm-hmm. you have to, you know, like actually be on nurses schedules, like the hours and I don't have childcare and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. So I think the fertility coaching is something I could do first. And if I wanted to go back and do the nursing thing later, that's something I can do. That's really smart. And I think you'd be great at it. So yeah. I think you should do it for sure. Yeah. I just know that when I went through it and I've heard this many times on, on your episodes that there was always that wish that you could have talked to someone who knew where you were coming from and mm-hmm. what you were feeling. And when you go into those IVF clinics, you know, the nurses are there and they can support you, but 99% of the time they've not gone through what you've gone through. Exactly. I remember one episode you had and she was like, but we were best friends with right. my nurse and I, but yeah, then, the but nurse then like weren't. ghosted her. Yes. <laughs> That's totally. how you feel because it's so personal and so emotional Yeah, that you need someone to have that connection with. And I was like, I could be that person because yes, I love you could. connecting you should. with people like that. Definitely. So, oh, and a side note. When we finally went in for our last my our last um, visit during this ectopic, we signed off on the remaining embryos that we had in storage. Okay. So we donated them for medical research. So oh, that's that was great. another yeah, it was another sort of thing I went through last month when I started like looking at due dates and all that kind of stuff because we had one embryo that was sort of like with the mosaicism, mm-hmm. and there's more and you know, more stuff coming out that you know they can survive and they can be yep. normal pregnancies. And I was, and we didn't use it. And that was our boy, you know, and I started going down that hole of like, ugh, you know, we, so put, we, we didn't do it. We didn't give him a chance. And Oh my God, why did I do that? Why didn't we try? But I talked to Dr. Wong about it. I said, honestly, here's the situation. Yeah. I'm on the fence about this. I don't know what to do. And he's like, okay, look at what you have right now. You have two perfect little girls. Yep. This embryo, we don't know what will happen. Yes. We don't know if you'll miscarry early. We don't know if you'll carry to term and there'll be something catastrophically wrong. Yeah. We, you just don't know. Do you want to take that risk? And I was like, you know, you know what? You're right. Yeah. I just needed to hear you say that to me. I needed yeah. that out there told to me and not be thinking, you know, the possibilities and what could be. Hey again, guys, thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Angela. Because it is Thanksgiving week, I just wanted to share a little something that my friend and Soul Cycle instructor Noah said last night in class. He was talking about how this week everybody's talking about being thankful and being grateful, and that is obviously wonderful, and people should be doing that every day if they can. But he also mentioned that grateful should also be an action word. And it got me thinking, you know, what can you be doing to give back to your community? In addition to being grateful for what you have, how can you be helping others? So I'm going to make it my mission this week in particular to really be helping and really be giving back as much as I can. And I hope that you guys are inspired to do the same. So thanks again for the support and for always listening. If you need anything, you can reach me on Instagram at infertileafstories, or you can email me at infertileafstories at gmail.com. So happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and I will talk to you guys next time.